Welcome to the Chasing Elephants podcast with Taylor Glow and Brent Crow. This conversation is designed to be a once a week encouragement about maximizing the moments of life by wrestling with the elephant in the room. In other words, if life is a story, we want to help you tell a good one. And if life is a journey, then we desire to help you journey well. And I am incredibly excited about the topic uh, that we're going to discuss this week, Miss Taylor, because it's something that is important and relevant and really foundational to everybody who cares deeply mm-hmm. about maximizing and stewarding their influence. So, yeah. so what do we get to talk about this week? So this week we get to talk about being a lifelong learner. So not only do should we learn on a daily basis, should we be looking for new things to learn about, but that's not as what we're just called to do as leaders, but we're called to do that as believers. So we're going to be talking about that this week, and I'm really excited to dive deeper and make this a two-part episode. That's right. Um, not only one, but two, so that we can cover as much as we can about this because uh, we have some really good stuff. Awesome. And by the way, you know, we're several weeks into this uh, Chasing Elephants podcast. It's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, we've picked up quite a few subscribers, and we're so grateful for everybody who has been rating us. But if you're listening and you haven't subscribed or you haven't given us a rating, uh, please go ahead and click that subscribe button, and uh, I please go ahead and rate us. I think there's only really one option, and it's five stars. But anyways, go ahead and rate but us, we'll and, leave it up to you. and we'll be <laughs> very, very grateful. Well, let's talk about what it means to be a lifelong learner. Um and really, when we're talking about the subject of, of being a lifelong learner or being really intentional, that I'm, I'm, I'm never growing static or stale, that this muscle in my, that is my brain, that is my mind, is constantly active and growing and being exercised, we're, all this really could fall into the category of self-leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody wants to talk about how we influence out there how we influence our culture, how we influence at our school or our team or in our home or at our church or in our business or whatever it might be. But the reality is until we can influence ourselves, we're not going to be effective at influencing everybody else around us. And so that's why self-leadership is is so important. So let me start with this question because uh, as we've mentioned before, Taylor, uh, you and I are uh, of of different quote unquote generations, right? I would be considered Gen X and- Brent is obviously the older generation. Yes, that's true. (laughs) And you would be considered either uh, a millennial or Gen Z, depending on which study you read. Either way, Mm -hmm. a little bit different. So uh, Taylor, as, as someone who probably doesn't remember when your phone had a cord- uh, as someone who probably never put a VCR tape into a VCR, um, what, uh, how do you learn? Give, tell me a couple ways that you uh, learn. Yeah. Well, to first answer that question, I feel like I just want to go ahead and clarify as I'm answering this question is what's so cool about learning is there it evolves constantly on how you can learn and retain information. And I mean that by technology that we have, um, the new and improved something that comes out. And I think that also improves the way we learn. But then I also think that that changes the way that we rely on certain things to allow us to learn. And so I also think that changes the way that we retain information. Um, so that's kind of what I want to preface before I answer. Uh, because when I think back of maybe back when I was in, I don't know, grade school, the learning, the way I learned, it looks a lot different 
than the way I learn now. Um, computers weren't used as much. I, I remember, I always remember computers, but they weren't used as much for research or technology wasn't used. So now the way I learn, I rely on that. Um, and I think that there are pros and I think that there are cons to that. I think um, one of the things that I strive to do is, even though I have this at my disposal and it's such a great gift, I still try to go back and look at, okay, well, what does the primary source say about this? Where did this come from? Because mm -hmm. now it's so, so easy since we have such a vast majority of information given to us at just an enter button on a computer after you type a sentence in and you have all of these hundreds and hundreds of articles. Well, where did it first come from? Where was that first idea? Because another thing I've noticed recently is when people are learning new things, a lot of times you can think it's something that you've learned and you're the first to learn it. Mm. But no, we always need to go back and look at who is actually the first one to think this up. Who was the first one that became the master of this science or the master of this um, certain subject or whatever it may be. So that's so that's the first thing is really me trying to um, find, I guess, the primary source of things if I'm learning something new or maybe if it's a new topic that I'm like, I really don't know a lot about it, let me research that, then that's where I try to go first because, again, I just think it's so easy to kind of get your information mistaken even though it is such a blessing. There is that side of thing where it is kind of, not a curse, but not the best when it can be not necessarily um, the first way it was written or the first idea that the person came up with. Uh, and then second, I would say another way that I learn is the people I surround myself with. Hmm. Um, it's not only books, but it's also just not always being the smartest in the room, even though I would strive and love to be that. I'm a three on the Enneagram, if anybody knows about the Enneagram. <laughs> so I love looking successful. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Um, and so I would love to be the smartest in the room, but I need to be able to, for myself to step back and be like, that's not always the best because mm. if I'm the smartest in the room, then when am I learning? Right. And so surrounding myself with people, surrounding myself with friends where we have conversations, where I have friends who are longing to learn because then mm. they push me to learn more. They push me to know more about what's going on in the world. They push me to know more about scripture and about the Lord. And so surrounding myself with those people is, I would not only say a great thing, but it's vital and essential to my life and then also in my leadership journey as well. So I think those are the two, yeah. I guess, main things that I would say. Well, that was, uh, that was a much more involved and deeper answer than, than I was. That was amazing. That was good. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, be a primary what, source. What were you expecting? What, I, I was like, were you expecting Google? I Google. No, I was thinking, do you learn audibly or visibly or through <laughs> oh storytelling gosh. or, in, I mean, you know, but it's... Right, always assume, I think we can learn now that I will always go for the longer answer than <laughs> the short. Well, there, you know, I, one of things you said in there that I think is worth uh, when we talk about becoming a lifelong learning, becoming a lifelong learner is that you always do want to go to the primary source. Mm -hmm. One of our, uh, um, I guess you could say faculty members at Student Leadership University 201 Chaplain Barry C. Black, Chaplain for the United States Senate. One of the things I wrote down in a session that he was teaching several years ago is he, is he told our, our students um, it's, it's better to read three pages of Aristotle than mm. 300 pages about Aristotle. Yep. In other words, always go to the source. Mm. Always be a primary source kind of uh, kind of learner. Uh, and so, uh, anyways, I thought that was that was amazing. Well, there's you know, just to give uh, everyone listening kind of a framework as I researched how we learn. 
um, I went back to a great book uh, that was written, uh, you know, many years ago, but a, a book called The Leadership Challenge by Kuz and Posner, considered one of the largest studies on what makes effective, what makes for effective leadership in the workplace that's been done in the last 30 years. Kuzden and Posner in the Leadership Challenge said that there are really four approaches or four ways that we learn. And very quickly, here's what they are. Number one, we learn by doing. Uh, in other words, trial and error. You know, you get your hands dirty, you try something, it didn't work out. Number two, we learn by thinking. That would be the books and research that you were uh, referencing. Yeah. Number three, we learn by feeling. Um, that is that we confront ourselves on what we worry about. We take our concerns and we we put them at the forefront of. Uh, in other words, we don't we don't ignore what scares us or what worries us, but we we tackle what we feel, if you will. And then number four, we learn, and you mentioned this as well, we learn by discussing. We, we talk to someone that we trust. Mm-hmm. And so I like these four categories. We learn by doing, thinking, feeling, and uh, discussing. And uh, in, in another book uh, uh, that was written uh, by uh, an author, Bennis and Nanus, they said that learning is the essential fuel for a leader. Uh, It's the source of high octane energy that keeps us or keeps up the momentum by continually sparking new understanding, new ideas and new challenges. It is absolutely indispensable under today's conditions of rapid change and complexity. Very simply, those who do not learn do not long survive as leaders. So -hmm. this idea of being a learner um, so that I can, uh, you know, effectively influence those around us is 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 uh, is is a is a very obvious correlation. I guess what I'm trying to say yeah. that there's you can't you can't talk about leadership without first talking about uh, self leadership, and that means that I care deeply about being a lifelong learner. Yeah. And so, anyways, I, I think those are some categories for us to for us to think through, uh, and 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 to kind of kind of process this idea of, of learning and, and how we learn. Um, and so I, I, let's say this, that the conclusion is at this point, there is an undeniable correlation between learning and leading. And so, you know, whatever book you want to go to different resources and different people who have studied this, that's a very, very common theme. Um, so, if, if okay, so now let's look at this from a from a Christian perspective, and I want to I want to read a verse, a couple verses to you, and then uh, the Apostle Paul wrote Philippians chapter four, and then let's let's discuss how that influences our approach uh, to learning. But Paul wrote in Philippians, finally, brothers, very famous passage, if you will, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, and then he says this, think about these things and what you have, here's our word, and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Mm. So I think this would probably be a pretty good text, a lot we could choose from, a lot of Old Testament narratives we could choose from, but I think this is a concise text that can inform, if you will, our approach to becoming a lifelong learner. So what, what are some observations you see as, as we look at that text together? The text specifically, I mean, 
obviously the end, practice these things, but I'll leave that for the end. That's just the first thing that popped out. But I love when it's going into this verbiage of whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. So it's going through all of these nice adjectives that as you're reading, you're like, oh, this is good. I know where he's going at the end of this, whatever it is. I want this to be true Yes, I want this to be true of me. This is what I want. Because all of these things, I would love if people were like, Taylor, you're honorable. Brent, you're just. You're pure. You're lovely. You're commendable. All of that. And then, but that is not where he stops. He says, if there is any excellence. So not only do you have these things, but he says, if there is any excellence, then you're going to do this Mm -hmm. because you're not only going to have these attributes, but the excellence is to me, what was emphasized in this. Um, And then not only that, but it jumps higher to excellence, but you're worthy of praise because Mm. of these things. So it's like, he just keeps going in these nice adjectives that I want, that I want. And then it just halts. And it's like, but you have to be excellent in this. If you're doing these things, then you will be worthy of praise. So it's almost like it's a stepping stone. And then once you've reached the top, he says, okay, now think about these things. So that's kind of how I'm imagining it. And then what you have learned and received, go practice this. Yeah. Because this is what this is. This is the gospel. This is truth. This is everything that we are to know as a human being and believer in Christ. So if you know these things, then these things will be true of you and you are to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the first thing that popped in my head. But then also First Peter 3.15 was something that I thought of as well, well where he said, be able to give a defense mm-hmm. of what is within you. And so that's also just kind of correlated with me in this verse as well about learning because it's still the knowledge that you have. And so being able to give a defense. You can't of, defend something you haven't learned. Of what you don't yeah. know. Exactly. Yeah. But no, this is awesome. And I love just like the stepping stone picture mm-hmm. that as he's the way he writes it and the commas that are used in it. It's just like, and then at the end, practice these things yeah. after you've thought about them, after you realize you've made it. This is what you've attained. And this is what I want you to be able to attain, my child. The two, uh, uh, you know, kind of action statements in this text, because, um, of course, like you said, there's the whatever, 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 whatever. And then he goes, OK, now think on this and then practice this. Yeah. Um, and the order is very important. He says we have to think about these things, in other words, before we can practice these things. So when I see the phrase think about these things, um, I, to me, that's okay. That's learning and then go do these things, practice these things. That's the leading. So we see not just from, you know, great authors who have studied and written in current day, Christian or non, that there is a correlation between learning and leading, Mm -hmm. but we see it from the apostle Paul. Right. And, and I, and so I wrote down as you were talking, um, when he when he writes, think about these things, I wrote down that our focus will always determine our formation. Mm. In other words, he's going, okay, I want you to focus in your mind's eye on everything I just mentioned that you want to be true of you, yeah. right? So that's the learning. And then he goes, okay, now that you've focused on that, go and practice that. That's the doing. Um, and so I, I think there's a there's a learning leading correlation uh, that we see here. And of course, it, to me, it all, all also leads to another conclusion, and that is, that as a follower of Jesus who cares about my, my influence and I want to make sure that I'm honoring Jesus, my influence, you know, and I know it's going to be old hat at this point for me to say this, Taylor, but 
I can't help but read this and see also that grace continually demands more of my life, not less. Mm -hmm. In other words, I don't get to go, oh, I I have Jesus, and so I can act however I want to act. No, I'm going to I'm going to practice the things that I thought about and the things that I thought about were true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. And there was all of them had this in common. They were they were of excellence, Mm -hmm. you know. And so um, I think we see that idea as well, that um, that grace uh, and I when I use the word demand, I don't demands. I don't mean it in a in a militant militant sense. I mean it in a motivation sense. Mm-hmm. And when I understand the grace of Jesus, it motivates me to It's really to almost more. recognition. Yes. It's you putting that on yourself because you realize just the responsibility and then also the gift that it is. And so it's, yeah, it's just the urgency of the weight of the gospel is essentially what that is. Now, the application, how do you think about these things? How do you learn? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we, we said that Kuz and Posner gave us four categories, doing, thinking, feeling, and discussing in leadership challenge. But the beauty is, and you alluded to this earlier, the beauty is that we live in a day and an age in which if you learn, um, if you learn uh, visually, you know, f- for example, if you want to watch a documentary on a subject in which some researchers went to primary sources and did all the stuff, well, there's a world of, of documentaries available in 2019 that weren't available even in 2009, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I mean, there's, whether you got Amazon Prime or Hulu or Netflix or whatever it is, uh, there's a section that's just documentaries, mm-hmm. right? In fact, Disney Plus comes out and one of the giant portions of Disney Plus is all the National Geographic material that's ever been filmed. Yeah. Why? Because there's this, this, appetite within us as learners to learn mm-hmm. through the art of storytelling and to learn visually. And and so I think the, the there's a lot of leeway when Paul says, think on these things. In the, there's a lot of leeway in the way we apply this. We can learn um, in, a, in a capacity that's best for us. So if you learn best within, uh, if you learn best audibly, right? If you devour content better through audible books than through you know, putting your eyeballs on a page, mm-hmm. great. If you learn best through communication and collaboration, and right, great. If you learn best through put me alone in a room with a book, and yeah. right, great, right. If you learn best through, so I think the application of this yeah. is very flexible, which is why I think Paul uses a phrase that can be a little bit general. Think mm-hmm. on these things. How you think on these things, you get to determine in the way you've been created because everybody's been created differently, and then go practice them. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, so that 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 so we got some categories. We've seen that there's a there's an undeniable correlation between learning and leading. We see that uh, in both current day writings and more importantly in scripture. Let's spend a few moments here at the end. Um, uh, there can be some hindrances to becoming a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. There can be some things that stand uh, in our way. If, if you were to, if you were just to kind of survey the landscape of people who, without naming names, who are who are in either leadership positions or esteemed as authoritative leaders, what would be some hindrances to to their to them being effective leaders? Let's let's articulate a few of those as we kind of land the plane. Um, I could think the first thing that pops in my head is depending on where they're at. So culturally, um, socially, that could be one of the main one of the first hindrances that I think of. I think of also, I mean, pride 
is a thing um, I think of for all leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's I, not go past that one too quickly. Let's okay. stop for that one for a moment. How would we define? Would we define how uh, pride? How would we define pride? Mm-hmm. Just in and of itself. Yes, ma'am. I think pride is where essentially it's about yourself. So every motivation, every thought, whether you know it or not, the reason why behind why you're doing it. In the end, the core is a it's looking yeah. at yourself. And so it's whether it's the defense of yourself, whether it's the trying to hide yourself, um, whatever it is, it just comes back into your heart and mm-hmm. it's about you. Mm-hmm. Pride is always the result of an inward focus. And I think we could also say that an inward focus is, if we really wanted to dig deep on this, mm-hmm. is always the result yeah. of fear. And uh, I, I love what, uh, the, just to give a couple historical references, C.S. Lewis said that pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. <laughs> Couldn't have been stated any stronger. Pat Riley, the Hall of Fame uh, NBA coach, said it this way in one of his books, pride is the disease of me. I thought that was a good way of putting it. Uh, just looking at it biblically, there are 10 Hebrew and two Greek words that are used in the scriptures for pride. And all of them have to do with an overinflated view of self and or an arrogant attitude. So there's so many things that we could say that are hindrances to self-leadership and becoming a lifelong learner. Uh, um, but I, I think you have to put pride at the top of the list. Yeah. So what, what would be a couple others? Um, fear, like you were saying. So emphasize more on that, though, because I think that that can... Yes, it's a result of pride, but then fear also, fear of failure, again, that's a result of pride, but it truly can just capture people in just the way they think and the way that they feel, all of it, it's enrooted a fear. And so I think that that stops a lot of leaders from doing and from dreaming and from doing the idea that they think of or talking to the person or whatever it is in their leadership capacity. I think that's always one of the first things that just um, can be a huge hindrance, but then also lack of skills and competency. Mm -hmm. So not knowing how to do the job that you're given. And so that's where you have to fight the pride and use humility in that situation of, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I have some people that I know can probably do it better. Um, But it's also having the wisdom to recognize that Mm -hmm. rather than trying to take it upon yourself and do it yourself. Um, A lot of times people can think, well, I don't want to inconvenience people or I don't want to be a burden. Well, in the end, if you're not going to do it well, then that is innocent. You are being Mm -hmm. a burden. Um, So it's also having the wisdom in that moment to know they actually don't have the skills to do this, but and it's also having that humility, um, for sure. A couple others I would say is is yeah. you, you mentioned skills, fear, pride. I'm going to mention one that uh, nobody likes to talk about because it gets because uh, uh, there's always a how dare you reaction <laughs> internally, and and I so I mean this of myself, and I well, I've been guilty of this, and many of us have. I think laziness can keep us from being a lifelong learner. Yeah. Um, living in a consumer cult, you know, a consumer driven culture where we just are so used to algorithms predicting our preferences things done for us and things done yeah. for us. We just sit and absorb. And if we're not careful mm-hmm. that, 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 uh, the way our culture is structured in many ways or the way we go about culture 
really can fight against becoming a lifelong learner yeah. and create a, a spirit of laziness in us if we're not if we're not careful. And so I, I honestly believe that, uh, um, I, you know, there's a Dr. J used to say all the time. He probably still does, but. Uh, uh, that you got to have, and if it's to be, it's up to me mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, In other words, I've got to be willing to do everything I'm supposed to do and can do and then trust God to do what only he can do. So my job is to work hard and to learn and to grow and to... And so laziness can be a big, uh, a big uh, obstacle or hindrance to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, is this, and this kind of goes along with laziness, yeah. but it is the, uh, the love of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, uh, I think we like to pretend we sacrifice, but I think, I think many of us, myself included at times, would be very surprised to understand the true nature of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, we love comfort. We long for comfort. Mm-hmm. We lo- there's, a, there's an old book called, uh, uh, it was actually a play called Dr. Faustus, written by Christopher Marlowe. Christopher Marlowe was a contemporary of William Shakespeare. And the whole book is this, that there's this doctor named Dr. Faustus who agrees with the devil uh, that um, he can get whatever he wants for 24 years. He Basically, he has a demon at his disposal to answer his wishes for 24 years. But at the end of that 24 years, the devil gets his soul, mm. right? And the devil is going to come a-calling. And so he gets this, he gets basically a genie in the lamp for 24 yeah. years. He do whatever he wants. So he can have as much power, have as much money, have as much influence, have as much authority. I mean, all that, right? But at the end, the devil's going to come a-calling. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's over the years in ethics been referred to as a Faustinian bargain, right? In other words, he traded, um, he traded eternity away because of his love for short-term comfort. Mm. And I think if we're not careful, we in another way or can be very guilty yeah. of, of a Faustinian bargain. We're constantly on the search for what makes us more comfortable. Mm. And I think if you're a lifelong learner, you know what? You're not on the search for just what makes you comfortable. You're intentionally putting yourself in situations that stretches you and causes you to think differently, feel differently, act differently, and uh, of course, discuss differently. And so that's those are our three. Ca- yeah. There's our four categories from Kuz and Posner again. And so that's why I'd say the last hindrance I, I think we could probably mention is is uh, the love of the love of comfort yeah. and this idea of a Faustinian bargain. Yeah. Well, Miss Taylor, this has been a but a little bit of a, a deep dive this week for well, us. And I just want to do one encouragement and takeaway for just whoever is listening, because as I, as you were talking, as I was thinking through this, I was thinking back as a student, as now, one of the things that I just want to encourage everyone to do is pray against this. Mm. So pray, hey, Lord, take me out of my comfort zone. What's the time this week where you lay on my heart? Let me do something out of my comfort zone. Do I what it what am I holding on to pridefully right now? Mm-hmm. Show me humility. Mm-hmm. Just where you start praying those specific things. Um, because 
it's so funny that we're talking about this because this past weekend I found one of my old journals from high school. And so I didn't journal all the time as a high school student, but I did it frequent enough. And so mm-hmm. um, my senior year in high school, I just remember the Lord teaching me so much. And But a lot of times I prayed these types of things. Mm. So Lord, show me how, what, or what I'm holding onto that's prideful. And sure enough, I'd write, a, you know, maybe it was a couple weeks later, I'd see the follow-up of that of, oh, I didn't get this part in the play or, oh, I didn't get this, but hey, I was able to talk to a student about and they got this part in the play. Like just different things that correlated, but it was really cool because I was like, I didn't even realize that I felt this way at that moment. But even more so now, that's just a first example that popped in my head. But when I pray that, I don't realize sometimes, hey, I'm comfortable in this area. I didn't Mm. even know that I needed to move out of it. Or, hey, I had I've been holding on to this. I didn't even know I needed to let it go and not, you know, think of myself this way. So things like that, I think that always if we're going to continue to be lifelong leaner leaders, then it's not just relying on ourselves and the knowledge that we try to attain, but the Lord and um, him giving us wisdom in being a learner uh, too. And so I just wanted to say that. No, as well I, I think it's great. And I think it's a great segue to uh, remember guys, this is part one. So only one, w- this is, we're going to get next week, uh, next episode to the characteristics of what it means to be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. So we swallowed the big frog first. We did the difficult task first. We articulated, we defined it. Uh, we rooted it in scripture, but then we dealt with some of the negative. We wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way first. What are those hindrances? So we've done that. So in part two, um, you know, we'll get to talk about what are the characteristics of being a lifelong learner who primarily is motivated by the by the grace of Jesus. But before we go, I know you got some fun questions for us. So I sure do. Okay. Well, and to correspond and correlate with this week, what are you learning right now? What's something new that you just recently learned? Maybe it was something you watched or it was something you read (laughs) or something you heard. You're gonna laugh. I, so I love documentaries. I, it's one of my favorite hobbies is watching documentaries. So I watched a documentary um, this weekend on uh, one of the biggest thefts that's ever happened. True crime. In, in we ca- love it. In Canada, right? <laughs> it actually happened in uh, uh, Quebec, and, and it was, uh, it's called the Maple Syrup Heist. One of the most valuable commodities in so in fun. Canada is maple syrup, obviously. And a drum of maple syrup is worth five times the amount of a drum of oil. I mean, it's this is very pricey stuff. Mm. So there was these. There was somehow the Italian mafia was involved, and there was this. <laughs> there was there was the, they it coordinated with truck drivers and people who ran a warehouse and all these different things, and they pulled off. Well, they didn't pull off because they eventually got caught, but they almost pulled off the largest maple syrup heist in history, and that syrup was worth to the tune of thirty-three million dollars. I was like, what, why were they doing this? What was it worth? Oh it wow! Was, they oh, almost got it to the market and that's where they got that's where they got caught so i watched a documentary that's like one where you're kind of you feel bad for kind of being on yeah. their side but you're like are they gonna do it but there was a, yes there was a robin hood part of me with maple syrup yes where i was hoping <laughs> like, he would, i get it yeah. i totally understand but yeah that's so anyways and Amazing. I, so i learned that there's actually a depository of, of of like a fort knox of maple syrup in canada where wow. they protect the surplus 
so that they can help control supply and demand Wouldn't and you meet love to have supply that job, and demand. Just anyways, to walk to the warehouse. Every anyways, day. so I've learned about the maple syrup heist of Amazing. 2009 or whatever it was this weekend. <laughs> well, mine's a documentary too. I have been really into Planet Earth recently. Um, the ones that came out in April of this year. You're talking and about so the, the Nature the episodes, Series. Yes, yeah. Nature mm-hmm. Series on Netflix. It's amazing. I learned, I mean, y'all, it's insane how high quality it is. Um, it took 600 people on their crew. It was 3,500 days of filming. It was, they did this wow. throughout 50 countries. It took them a really long time. And so obviously lots of money went into it, lots of effort, and it pays off because I've been obsessed also. I mean, it's narrated really well. He has a British accent. Of course. That's, of course. Because now he's right. smart. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true. Um, and so it's really great. I felt like I learned a lot about just planet Earth, but then also a lot about mammals. It was just honestly <laughs> so awesome. enjoyable. It's like, I, it was like by, I binge watched yes. it. Like <laughs> It's, I think it's 11 episodes. It's awesome. Yeah, like biology on crack. No, um, literally. The, uh, well, since we both said documentaries, I'm also reading a book, uh, a biography on Hannah Moore, who was a, a poet, playwright, and an abolitionist in, uh, who, was, who collaborated with um, William Wilberforce, among others, to see the abolition of the slave trade in England. So that's a, a book uh, by uh, uh, Karen Pryor Swallow, who's a incredible author, but uh, she wrote uh, a book on the life of Hannah Moore. And uh, there's not a lot, obviously, that had been written on the, on her as a leader, certainly a female leader in history in England at that time frame, but she was just instrumental in that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm devouring it. It's, it's amazing. So anyways, documentaries, fun. books, it's all fun. All right. All fun. What else you got? Um, okay. So what... Oh, that's funny. The next question was, what are you most recently reading? There you go. Check. We did it. Checked. Did it. Okay. And then what's something you're loving right now? Hmm. Well, we just moved, uh, as you know, Taylor, to the country. Mm-hmm. Our little family out did. in the actual boondocks. No, we are in the sticks. Yeah. So we we, we just, my wife it's and I. It's beautiful, though. Yeah. It's seriously yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's old Florida. Hardwoods and Spanish moss mm-hmm. and a lot of wildlife and all that fun stuff. And so... Um, but we're, we're loving living in nature and we're loving learning about how to do that. We're getting, we already have ducks. We've ordered chickens. We've got a chicken coop and we're going to clear a field and get a cow and a barn. And so we're, we're, um, yeah. The dream. And I've never owned, uh, uh, and, and not to get in anything debatable here, but I've never owned a firearm before in my adult life. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, I thought I would never need a gun. And we moved out to the country and then there's these big giant poisonous snakes that yeah, you no. don't just shoo away. So, no, so, uh, we caved in and, uh, became gun openers because, um, yeah, there's some really big snakes. Yeah, I, yeah, for they, sure. Day one, there was a five Sometimes foot long. Sometimes a shovel just doesn't no, cut it. Yeah, and I, yeah. So <laughs> no thanks. And, I, you don't want to get close enough to it where that's right. you have to use a shovel. I got within three feet of a, a five foot long water moccasin, no. and, and that was when I, my wife was like, "You know what? We've never been real big gun people, but I think now's a good time." It's so. time to. That's, that's funny. So, anyways, I love it. How about you? What are you loving right now? Um. I asked the question, but there's a couple things that popped in my head. I am really loving um, HelloFresh. <laughs> I feel like I'm an ad. <laughs> okay. But I was like, should I mention it? HelloFresh has been 
amazing and it's really fun. It's I don't know if you guys know what it is, but um, essentially this company sends you a box of food. You can choose how many meals you get. Um, and I mean, I kid you not, in that bag, all the ingredients come in it. Yes. I really sound like, like an it ad. says on the commercial. I know, I know. Are I they really send you a free ad, box for I'm saying this? I'm seriously obsessed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, sponsor me, HelloFresh. Um, but it's awesome and it just saves so much time uh, where sometimes, you know, I'm traveling on the weekends or gone. Um, and so it's delivered right to you. It's refrigerated, all of that. I'm a huge fan. Okay. All right. That's what I'm loving. Praise. I also love cooking. So Praise it's the been, Lord. It's there you fun. go. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging out with us this week. It's, uh, it's, uh, we've enjoyed very much talking about the subject of self-leadership. We do hope that you'll subscribe. Uh, to the Chasing Elephants podcast. We hope that you'll rate us. And uh, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you next week. Mm